today on Ag News Daily. It's amazing what they went through uh, during that storm. Some of the uh, some of the photographs and video are just an unbelievable. Guy, you know, guys actually digging cattle up by hand. And- Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here on this warm and summery feeling Wednesday afternoon, at least here in Iowa. I am joined today by a congested and slightly sickly sounding Delaney Howell. Delaney, how you doing? I'm good, Mike. Well, I'm not really good. Are you good? No, because this is our second time now recording the podcast for today. My illness is affecting my mental capacity. I thought I was recording and I guess I wasn't. So now we're doing a take two on today's podcast. Guys, I'm not feeling well. I just kind of want to like crawl into a little ball. I took a Z-Pack last week. I thought I was going to be on the up and up and I woke up the other morning and I'm congested and I am hacking up a lung. I feel like every five minutes I sound like a man or a smoker. But we need to get you some steak and eggs, Delaney. That'll cure what ails you. I need to get so. you an over medium egg topped off or on top of I have, a, I like really, an 18 ounce ribeye. I haven't even had an appetite lately. See, that's the trouble. You need to cram some bacon down that gullet. That'll that'll heal you right up. Some bacon, huh? Yeah, it'll it'll you know lubricate your insides with grease, which nice. is good for you. Make my throat feel a little less scratchy, maybe. Absolutely. But, uh, all right, so that's the that's the disgusting update on your health, <laughs> is some of the update we've got in the world of agricultural news. Yeah, absolutely. I want to just kick it off here with some news related to disaster aid and, and what's going on in our parts of Nebraska and South Dakota that have been hit so hard. We saw in the Senate... Uh, They voted 90 to 10 to clear kind of the first steps here in debating the already house-passed version of a $14.2 billion disaster aid package. That $14.2 billion disaster aid package is largely geared towards funds for states devastated by hurricanes, wildfires, tornadoes, etc., and severe weather that happened in 2018 and 17. But the Senate plan that was introduced today also includes a $3 billion package for farm disaster assistance, $150 million to rebuild rural community facilities, and another $480 million for emergency forest restoration. So a lot of that money is largely going to help out some of those folks that have been hit so hard by the flooding going on in Nebraska, South Dakota, Missouri, parts of western Iowa. We also saw that Secretary Sonny Perdue um, made mention of some USDA programs that also might be able to assist some of those people. There are about seven different programs that producers could take advantage of if they are feeling effects from flood or maybe concerned about whether or not they're going to take prevent plant takers or had grain bins explode or whatnot. So we've got the emergency loan program. We've got the livestock indemnity program, non-insured crop disaster assistance program, the emergency assistance for livestock, honeybees and farm raised fish program, the environmental quality incentives program, emergency watershed protection program and rural development programs just in general. But we still don't know what's going to happen for those folks that had grain bins explode or become um, devastated by these floods. Yeah, inundated by floodwaters. Yeah, absolutely. Inundated. I mean, that was the, the word I was looking for. Thanks. I bet it was. Yeah. I bet it was. Inundated. Well, you know, and you mentioned Secretary Purdue coming out. He made a statement uh, earlier today, late yesterday, basically talking about those those programs that you mentioned. And there is a maze 
of, uh, of programs available. And Secretary Perdue said, quote, I encourage area farmers and ranchers to contact their local USDA service center so we can work with them to identify the resources and tools needed to reestablish their operations. While farmers and ranchers in the area are resilient, the pain is real. We will do everything in our power at USDA to be as helpful as we possibly can, end quote. So Secretary Perdue has spent the last two years working to make USDA service centers more customer focused. And Delaney, I tell you what, this is going to be a big test of how that overhaul has been working because there are a lot of growers and ranchers who are going to need to get in there and get pointed in the right direction. And uh, USDA workers, boy howdy, we're all pulling for you. You got your work cut out for you negotiating and navigating that maze of programs that are available and making sure growers can get the assistance they need here in this time of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is going to be really important to see if they can follow through on their promises to really change the way USDA handles some of this business. Yes. And uh, get in there, check it out. Growers, get in there soon. At least make a call. Let them know that you will be needing assistance. And, uh, you know, by, by all means, let's get this paperwork started as soon as we possibly can. So hopefully you can get some assistance, be it financial or mm -hmm. organizational or whatever is available. Get it in your hands as soon as possible because planting season is right around the corner. It is. And, I mean, you look at so many of those fields, I, I can't imagine some of these people that planting is going to be right around the corner for them. Yeah, that's a good point. But you've seen it up close and yeah, personal. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll continue to keep an eye on uh, this news. And actually, speaking of news about the flooding, there was a positive story that made the news yesterday. Fox News picked up some photos that were circulating on social media, Facebook and Twitter, of loads of Iowa hay headed to Nebraska. And I've seen similar photos of Montana hay, of South Dakota hay, Wyoming hay. Farmers and ranchers across the country are doing what we do best in times of trouble, which is supporting our fellow friends and neighbors, even if we've not met them and they're 1,000 miles away. But I just thought it was fantastic to see Fox pick up this story and give it some nationwide press because, unfortunately, folks outside the Midwest, this devastation, this flooding, is uh, they're not familiar with it. It just hasn't caught national attention with all of the Mueller report business and the Green New Deal business and the other shenanigans coming out of Washington, D.C., and hopefully this story getting some national press will help uh, inspire others to donate what they can and to lend a hand to our fellow farmers and ranchers in need here this season. Well, and absolutely. I mean, we see so many things in the news right now taking away from really what's going on in, in the heartland. One of those, as you mentioned, Mike, is the Green New Deal. I know people tagged you on Facebook and Twitter. and People have sent me a couple of things, especially when you look at um, Senator Mike Lee. He presented kind of this funny depiction of the Green New Deal. And one of those pieces was about airline flights and just essentially creating these like fake made-up animals of, oh, this is how Hawaii will get to the mainland, and this is how Alaska will yeah, be able using to... using some internet memes to, uh, to poke yeah. some fun. And... Yeah, and, and so we see that that actually made it to the floor. We saw senators on Tuesday promptly shot it down, and Democrats blasted GOP leaders for holding kind of a, quote, sham vote. But we also saw Republicans say and, and call this Green New Deal a disastrous social, socialist vision as well as a, quote, big green bomb. So 
it really felt like between what Ocasio-Cortez put forth and then what Mike Lee put forth, kind of making a mockery of this whole thing. And I feel like they wasted time by even giving this time on the floor in the first place. Well, and that's the Democrats' argument. They were saying, you know, it wasn't quite ready for prime time and the Senate Majority uh, Leader Mitch McConnell kind of rushed it in. You know, hey, if you want it, vote for it. But nobody was ready. A lot of them voted present. You know, at the end of the day, this is a harbinger of things to come, Delaney. We're in 2019. Mm. We're looking down the barrel of a presidential run in 2020. And we're starting to get some of these uh, grandstanding events beginning to take place. In fact, just here about two hours ago, there was a meeting in Iowa. Senator Elizabeth Warren sat down with the Des Moines Register to talk through one of her newest proposals. And I don't have the details on it yet. I assume we will get full details here later this afternoon. We'll have them for the podcast tomorrow. But basically, she is taking aim at, quote unquote, corporate agriculture. She wants to... change the way some of the large companies do business in rural America. And she specifically mentions DuPont uh, pioneer Bayer gets a shout out and Tyson all got shout outs in her conversation uh, earlier with the Des Moines Register and, uh, you know, trying to, quote, break up some of the monopolies that are driving business in rural Iowa. And, uh, you know, it's no surprise. She is looking to make a 2020 presidential run. So she's coming to Iowa and addressing some uh, some concerns here in agriculture. As we get some details, as as we get more light on what it is she's proposing, we'll get some more uh, in-depth reportage on it and see what exactly is the senator from Massachusetts uh, talking about here as it relates to agriculture. Doesn't sound like anything too good. Well, you know, it all depends on on how the details break out and where you stand. Those companies have grown very, very large over the past couple of years. We do see a continued depletion of competition, at least on the large scale in agriculture. So we'll get the details and then we'll start making up our minds. There we go. Well, if you want to talk about grandstanding, it looks like we've seen China kind of grandstanding with the United States. We saw them buy rice purchases. Now we're seeing... Some new news come to light here about rice being imported from China in Puerto Rico. The U.S. Rice Federation is demanding that a Puerto Rican company, I think it's Pan America, stop hiding the fact that they're importing Chinese rice and then turning around and marketing that Chinese rice as either domestic Puerto Rican rice or U.S. origin rice. They are flooding the markets. There's a lot of people concerned in the rice industry that they're falsely labeling cheaper rice as U.S. product. I mean, they are really kind of affecting the rice industry and they're flooding the the global in, the global industry with this fake rice. Or, well, not fake rice, but rice that's mislabeled, mislabeled, apparently. Yeah. Which, you know, if labels are going to mean anything, they have to be honest. And so it's good to see this come to light. You know, I'm sure the lawyers will get to work finding loopholes and everything else. But uh, this is a story I think we'll have to continue following. And listeners, you know, Delaney and I, we're not terribly connected to the rice industry. I like so... to eat rice. Right, exactly. I, I love it uh, steamed. I love it fried. Yeah, I love yeah. it with a little uh, uh, soy sauce. Uh-huh. But if you're actually in the industry, listeners, reach out to us. Uh, that's an industry we'd love to learn more about. We'd love to have some more expertise here on the podcast as it relates to rice. So give us a holler. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Just search for Ag News Daily. We'll be there. We'll respond. We got uh, you know a full company of workers ready <laughs> yeah, to me and you. feel. Yeah, me, you, and Madison. Yeah, that's right. 
Oh, but Delaney, let's see. What other news sources do you or what other news do you have for us today? Uh, that that was all the news that I really had for today, Mike. What about you? You know, I just have uh, have a couple more stories. Quick one. We got a report from the Commerce Department earlier today. The trade deficit with China dropped bigly in January. China, of course, stepped up their purchases of U.S. soybeans. That caused uh, soybeans plus some crude oil exports caused a 14% drop in the trade deficit with China. Basically, it now stands at uh, a little over $51.5 billion for the month of January. And it didn't, of course, do anything for the markets today. This is January numbers. But it does, I think, help us out. It's another shout out to Washington, D.C. that, hey, agriculture and agricultural products can be fantastic tools in leveling these trade deficits and mm -hmm. uh, evening the playing field with China. So hopefully, It'll buy us some good press in D.C. The other news story I had, Delaney, again, government report shocked the markets today. Crude oil stocks rose unexpectedly last week. Um, basically, market analysts were anticipating a decrease of 2.1 million barrels in crude oil supplies here in the country. However, they rose by 2.8 million barrels. So at the end of the day, there's 4 million more barrels of crude oil sitting in this country then analysts were anticipated that is going to be bearish on price. It's good news for those of you who haven't yet perhaps contracted your uh, January fuel needs, or not January, but uh, planting fuel needs. But it's bad news for ethanol producers who have been struggling to find a margin. This will, I expect, put continued pressure on gasoline prices, which will in turn put continued pressure on ethanol producers who are struggling. And that, Delaney, wraps up my news for the day. Okay. Well, there was a lot to unpack there, Mike. I know one of the things that we need to unpack is also the commodity markets for today. Mike, will you uh, do us the honors? I will love to. And I tell you what, if you are an end user of corn and soybeans, today was a great day for buying. If you are a producer, it was a tough day for making sales. A lot of red on the screen. But our markets are brought to us by our great friends at the Zaner Group. And remember, market volatility can create challenges. It can also create opportunities. If you need assistance with your market marketing, reach out to our friends at Zaner. You can reach them at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. In corn, the May corn contract dropped three and a half cents at 373 and three quarters. December new crop down two and a quarter to close at 398 even. Soybeans, oof, ugly day in the soybean pits. May contract down 13 and a quarter cents at 887 and a half. November new crop down 11 and a half cents. Finish the day at 923 and a quarter. Slight strength in Chicago wheat. May contract up a quarter penny at 469 and a half. The July up a half to close at 475 even. Weakness in the cattle complex today. Live cattle, April contract down 65 cents at 126.25. The June down $1.1250 to close at 119.60. In feeder cattle, the April contract dropped 32.5 cents at 145.90. With the May down 27.5, close the day at 149.52.50. And in hogs, front month April, big gainer on the day up $1.60 at 81.32.5. With the May up 2.5 cents to close at 86.67.50. And we did see some screen, uh, some green on the screen in the dairy markets. March class three milk up two cents at fifteen oh eight, with the April up a nickel to close the day at fifteen sixty seven. Delaney, why don't you tell us who we're talking to on this Wednesday edition of Ag News Daily? 
Yes, well, we will be talking to Tim O'Byrne, who works with the Working Ranch magazine, and also they kind of just do a really interesting podcast, launched that a little while ago. But uh, I'm going to turn it over to Tim here to talk about ranching in rural America. Chatting with Tim O'Byrne today, who is the publisher and editor for the Working Ranch magazine. Tim, tell me a little bit, how did the Working Ranch magazine get started or come to be? Well, we're in our 14th uh, year now, Delaney, and um, it started, uh, the guy that owns the magazine, Drew Lawler, he's a California guy, and he um, uh, just had the idea kind of out of the blue that uh, the you know beef production industry needed a magazine that was kind of a little bit, you know, different. We're, we're a little bit different than the other ones, and, you know, we're, we kind of, thick, glossy kind of, lots of photography, that sort of thing. And so he um, called me up one day and said, hey, do you want to be part of this project? And I've been running with it ever since. Wow, that's awesome. So 14 years. Tell me a little bit about, you're, obviously you're covering, covering ranch life or beef production, but what are some specific topics, especially right now that you're covering perhaps in the magazines? Well, the 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 one that got the most attention lately is the uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez oh, yeah. and Bill Gates talking about the methane emissions of cattle. And, um, you know, that kind of got me a bit, you know, I, I was I was a bit, because I didn't know the answers either. You know, I, I just, I was grasping at straw and I thought to myself, you know, what would I do if I met the Congresswoman in the hallway and, you know, I had a chance to say, you know, um, let's go down and have a cup of tea or coffee or something. I'm going to set you straight on these, you know, on the hard facts. And I, I didn't have that. So I went to Dr. Sarah Place and she, she's the, um, she is the research, um, she's the lead researcher. You're going to have yeah, to for because I got it. <laughs> the lead researcher for the NCBA. So I got a hold of Dr. Sarah Place. She's the senior director for sustainable beef production research there at NCBA, and I said, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to get some talking points, and, and I want to I want to make it really clear, but I, they've got to come from irrefutable uh, sources. So I found the sources I really wanted to use was NASA, and I wanted to use the National Academy of Scientists, and I wanted to use the um, panel on climate change for the UN, and then finally agricultural and forest meteorology uh, and the US EPA. Those kinds of, you know, so, so now if I sat down with her and I said, okay, here's the, here's the facts about methane emission with cattle, and, um, but you're, if you want to debate, you're not debating me, you're not debating the beef industry, you're going to be debating irrefutable science. And so that that was that was it was pretty pretty cool. I mean, we we got some really neat um, really neat talking points. That's awesome. That's really neat that you had the opportunity to put that together, and that you had a lot of response to that article. Tim, I want to ask you since so many folks right now, especially in the Midwest and Upper Plains, are feeling the impacts from this flooding. What are you hearing from beef producers in particular? Well, it, we have a very vibrant Facebook page. Uh, I always usually do a Friday post. You know, uh, 
uh, one of our favorite people was uh, Paul Harvey, and he always had a Friday post, you know, a Friday thing on the radio. It's Friday. I kind of tried to replicate that a little bit on the Facebook page, and everybody comes back. We'll get 30 to 80 posts. There'll be videos. There'll be photographs and stuff, and, and it's it's amazing what they went through. Uh, during that storm, some of the photo- uh, some of the photographs and video are just unbelievable. Guy, you know, guys actually digging cattle up by hand, and and the mm. flooding. It's it's pretty bad in Nebraska, is what I'm hearing, and it's kind of all hands on deck. Everybody's out there uh, doing what they can. So um, we, you know, we sure pray for them and and hope hope that it uh, that it subsides quickly. Absolutely. I think a lot of people are hoping that for sure, especially as we look at getting into, you know, hopefully into planting and then into the summer grilling season that we don't feel the effects of of flooding and some of those animals dying from floods. Tell me, Tim, a little bit about your podcast. You guys run a podcast as well, so I've always got to promote other people's podcasts in agriculture. <laughs> well, this I'm sitting here minding my own business, you know, doing the rubber <laughs> pencil thing and and uh, this renegade by the name of Jeff Tigger Earhart calls me up, and he had lit, he stole a copy of the Working Ranch from the sale barn. And he goes, he says to himself, "I like I can make a podcast version of this thing." And so he calls me up, and I'm like, "Podcast? I'm serious, Delaney. I said that. I said <laughs> you didn't know what it was. <laughs> that's and that was only two years ago, and I seriously didn't know what it was. I thought it was what what comes out the back of the combine when they're doing soybeans <laughs> or something. I, I had no idea." And so he goes, okay, well, let me, you know, like block it all up and do whatever it is the radio people do, you guys. And, and he did. And uh, and then he said, I want you to kind of, you know, come in with me as the co-host. And, you know, and he, I had to vet him out first because I didn't know who the heck he was. And, and they turned out to be pretty, I mean, he's an award winning. He, he won an Emmy, you know, back in the in his TV days. So he knows what he's doing. And... Um, for some reason, I don't know, we just kind of clicked. Like, he's a really good cattleman. He's more into the genetics. I'm more into the cowboy stuff And because uh, I did the big outfit cowboy thing and the feed jars and stuff. And so we just kind of hit it off. I mean, we're irreverent, uh, always teasing each other, but we can get really, you know, we can go anywhere we want with our interviews because everybody knows Working Match Magazine and stuff. And, and so it's been really good. So we just celebrated a million uh, feed hits a oh, couple wow. of weeks ago. That's exciting. We're getting, yeah, we're getting uh, three hundred and um, we're getting three hundred and fifteen, three hundred twenty downloads a day off of that thing. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so we're, we're and we're getting a lot of people calling because we have a, like we have a hotline that they can call seven ranch fifteen. You call it up, leave your beef. What's your beef hotline? We get all kinds of funny stuff, good stuff, good leads. Yeah, it's really I I love doing it, and I didn't. I didn't think I would, but I really do. <laughs> What's the most entertaining story that you've had somebody call in and share with you? Uh, <laughs> it was just actually <laughs> the other day this this lady called up. I no, she must have been back east someplace, but she said, um, "I'm going to turn you off of my iPad, and I can't. And I I, I just moved, and I don't know where my Verizon account passwords are, but I can't get you to." Turn yourself. <laughs> it was like no, no. <laughs> You're gonna have to get. Finally, she got her daughter to help her out, and so I don't know. It's pretty funny. <laughs> That's awesome. So you guys have the physical magazine. You've got a podcast. 
You've also got a really interactive online platform. Tell me about some of the content folks could find if they head to workingranchmag.com. Well, one of the cool things that we did was we started a video contest. Just take your phone, turn it sideways, and video for 20, 30 seconds. You know, it doesn't need to be very long. Just, you know, anything, what you're doing, what the kids are up to. Um, maybe you're you know, riding a colt for the first time or, you know, bailing or something like that. Just, you know, people want to see what you're doing. They want to see your, your, uh, your operation. They want to see the lay of the land and what, what your equipment looks like and your cattle and everything. And, and that's been really, really good, uh, really well received. We're getting videos all the time and, uh, um, we post them on the website. Then we post them simultaneously on the Facebook page and it's, I think it's fun. I, I love social media. I didn't think I'd like it. Like when we started the Facebook page, must have been about eight years ago when I, she came into the, my office and said, you guys need a Facebook page. And I'm like, nah, I don't know. Um, that's for... <laughs> yeah, social media is such a... Serious stuff over yeah, here. It's such a great tool to be able to communicate with so many people across the entire U.S., well, and like we we were um, we were uh, you know living on the big ranches way out west, you know, and and, and totally secluded and everything. And to, to be able to have a a way to share what you're doing and see what other people are doing when you're that secluded, I mean, that is the best part of social media for us. Anyway, uh, we just really enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tim, let me ask you this, because this has been a question I've been kind of pondering, and you seem like the perfect person to ask it. So we've got podcasts, we've got radio, we've got digital, we've got social media. What do you think ranchers are going to want next to be able to communicate with one another, those folks out in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming or Montana, and, and be able to talk to producers in, or ranchers in Nebraska or Iowa mm -hmm. or Kansas? I'm not too sure what could I, – I think maybe something a little – I think there needs to be a um, like an agriculture uh, ver version of the web. It's hmm. got to be – it's got to be um, – it's got to be smaller, tighter. It's got to be cookhouse rules. When I say cookhouse rules, it means – you know, no, there's no bad mouth and there's no, there's not, no negative energy. No, you know, it's, it's something that the kids, it's a family platform. It's got to be something. And then it's got to be, uh, it's got to be something where you can connect and you can share uh, the best information of, of uh, you know, of, of how we should be doing our uh, producing our beef sustainably. And then it also needs to have an element where the, where the people that don't know what we're doing, that, that think that cows are doing all this damage, that they can, they can go there and they can see the best videos ever that explains it to them and shows them what we do and how we do it. And, and I think if we built something like that, where it's, uh, you know, kind of a subscriber thing or, you know, you got to be vetted out to get on it, or you at least have to, you know, have a personality, like a background check or something, mm -hmm. not a background check, but, you know, something they like that. They can be faceless, think, yeah. Yeah, you can't be faceless. And, you know, we're all in ranching. We're all only three degrees away from each other anyway. So, you know. Huh. Interesting. I like that idea. Maybe we'll have to get some, get a master of the minds meeting and work on something like that, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, you know, because we, we just, 
there's so much stuff out there, and then we're getting bombarded by you know by too much aggressive marketing, and um, you know where you Google um, you know you Google uh, fencing pliers, and then the next thing you've got three weeks of fencing plier ads popping in. You know, to your pains when you're trying to work online. That that kind of stuff. You know, we we don't need that. I mean, there's there's ways to do it where it's not annoying and and uh, so we'll see what happens. With yeah, it. absolutely. Well, Tim, before I let you go, remind me again how folks can find your podcast and the website to find your great content. So it's workingranchmag.com, and the podcast is archived on there, and it's actually on Podbean. So any of the iTunes the iTunes app, any of the other apps, it's all over the place, Amazon. Awesome. Tim, thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Hey, Delaney, thanks. I appreciate it. Well, great stuff there. And folks, if you have an interest in ranching life, I would encourage you to check out their magazine or their podcast. A lot of great content, and they've been doing it for quite some time, turning their magazine content into podcast form absolutely listen to it wherever you're going if uh yeah you know i love learning about ranching and you know i I was a cowboy born in the wrong place and without the wrong era maybe too well you know i mean there's there are fantastic ranchers you know still today you know and and i also i don't care for horses oh i would be i would not be a very good rancher that seems like an issue probably i I, you know if if i could do it all on four wheelers i'd probably be okay okay all right delaney but Great ad content, as you mentioned. If listeners want to get access to more fantastic ad content, including a new podcast, where should they go? And tell us, what is that new podcast? Yes, I'm very excited. We've got the Agnes Answers podcast. It's kind of like a Dear Prudence column or an Ask the Expert column specifically for agricultural-related problems related to relationships or personal life as well as kind of the other facet, which is, you know, marketing, business, etc. So a really great podcast. There are two episodes launched on globalagnetwork.com or on iTunes and Google Play. So be sure to check out, again, that's called Agnes Answers. Fantastic. And the listeners, check that out at the Global Ag Network. You can also get access to all of the Ag News Daily podcasts there at globalagnetwork.com. And Delaney, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. (laughs) 